Hello, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, The Global Agora. My name is Andrew Matišák, and I work as a deputy head of foreign desk in Slovak Devi Pravda, which, by the way, means truth, and it's not Russian Pravda. The current protests in China against the zero-COVID policy will be squashed. This is what I think, but more importantly, this is what Lawrence Reader thinks. Because he definitely knows China. Chris, as I know him, is a professor of political science at New Hampshire University and a research associate at Harvard University's Fairbanks Center. But while he suggests the demonstration will be suppressed, it doesn't mean that the Chinese communist regime is totally safe. Why? Listen to our conversation. If you enjoy what I do, please support me on coffee. Thank you. For the link, see also a description of this episode. And now, up to the new debate. If you look at the current protests in China, how surprised are you, especially hearing chants like down with Xi Jinping? I'm not surprised about demonstrations. Hearing down with Xi Jinping and down with the Communist Party, I wasn't quite prepared for that. But it also is indicative of the degree to which Many people, especially the younger people who apparently were making those comments, were are just fed up with uh, over two years of being incarcerated and the threat of incarceration and all the types of things that have been going on in the name of zero COVID. And, you know, something else that I think is not being completely understood in the West and, the, and they say outside of China, other ones just say West, is that. It's not just COVID, but you have a lot of economic issues. You've got, of course, the whole third term for Xi Jinping. There's a lot of pressures going on that I think it just boiled over. Whether it was the, as perhaps we're going to be talking about, the, the fire in Ulumuchi was a, a catalyst to motivate these demonstrations, uh, or it was just a feeling that Nothing could be done that people were willing to get out on the street and vocalize the, the dismissive attitude of the Communist Party toward their plight. The protests are very much related to China's zero COVID policy. While I think that we can still consider COVID as a health issue, a serious health issue, China is the only country that implements the zero COVID policy. Why is that so? Well, I think there are a couple of things going on here. I, I was actually teaching a seminar on human rights and religion in uh, spring of 2020. We were talking about the flu and the Chinese response to it, which at that time, everybody put on a pedestal and said they have done, you know, this is the miracle of an authoritarian regime. They were able to stop the spread of, of COVID and uh And, and Xi Jinping basically and the Communist Party kept saying, this is why you need to have the Communist Party. This is why we are going to surpass the United States, which is complete chaos. You know, this is when you had uh, the former uh, U.S. President Trump talking about sticking infrared lights up in, in, in very private places. Craziness. So the Chinese seem to be really the ones who were the model. Now, the problem has been that uh, the United States did catch up and the rest of the world also caught, caught up because of the mRNA uh, vaccines that eventually came online, in part 
uh, because of the money that the uh, Trump administration threw at it and then the Biden administration promoted here in the United States, but uh, across the world that these vaccines came on. Well, with China, they were reliant on the older vaccines. And it's it's very curious because it's not that the West, i.e. non countries outside of China that had these vaccines, were refusing to give the Chinese the technology or so forth. It's because the Chinese didn't want it. They had staked their national reputation on China's ability to save itself and that the Chinese model was a model that the rest of the world should be following. Well, this is when the rest of the world finds out that maybe China's not quite as advanced as the Chinese have said that they are, and that their vaccine is older technology, and that apparently it's not quite as effective as the mRNA version. So one, they have been very slow in using the new vaccine technology. And two, interestingly enough, while 90% of the people in China, from what I gather, are vaccinated, they've only had one jab. I've already had four jabs. Uh, and then you have older generations. And, you know, I've got medical issues and all of a sudden I'm becoming old. So that's why I've got four jabs. But you've got the older people who are going to be uh, having problems should they lift zero COVID. So I think Xi Jinping understands this. He understands that they lift these restrictions, that there's going to be more people dying. Now, let's also be clear. They just admitted that there were a couple people that just died. Oh, now, come on. You know, this is, having lived in a socialist society, you know that numbers, you never, you, you never trust communist numbers. Yeah, from the beginning, there were serious doubts about COVID statistics coming out of China. The numbers of people that died, for instance, in Wuhan uh, back in 2020, we really will never know. Nor will we really never know how this all came about, but that's a different issue. But let's just say that more than 4,000 people that have died in China, uh, just in Taiwan and Hong Kong, there's been, been twice, uh, three times as many people, and they're much smaller areas. I think Xi Jinping has stuck his reputation on zero COVID strategy, which in reality is a stopgap measure to prevent more massive people dying because of the lack of vaccines that have taken place. Now, as time has progressed and the virus has uh, evolved and is not quite as uh, deadly as previous versions, perhaps the Chinese might discover that it's not quite as bad. However, you know, in the in outside of China, where they do have these vaccines and where people are coming down with COVID, including I got it this past June. Well, if you don't have those jabs and you haven't uh, like like so many people in China, then you might not be able to overcome those problems. I really think that it's part nationalism, not willing to to admit that the Chinese needed help to develop a, a more sophisticated vaccine because that this idea of, of self-reliance and the China model is so strong that uh, the Chinese are willing to sacrifice uh, their own people, which uh, this is nothing new in China. That's what happened during the Great Leap Forward. A couple million people dying, so what? In China now, you're not going to be reporting that a million people have died. They're just not telling us that people have been sick. And I think they're really worried that there'd be more people that would get sick. One of the triggers of the protests was a fire at the residential building in Urumqi, the capital of Xinjiang region. After videos of the incident posted on social media led to accusations that lockdowns were a factor in a blaze 
that kill at least 10 people. It seems to me like an interesting dynamic that people from various places in China react to the tragedy in Xinjiang, which is the home of the Uyghurs. Their identity is in many cases brutally suppressed by the regime in Beijing. So how unusual is the fact that people in China react to exactly this incident? It's uh, interesting. I first got to Ulamuchi in 1986, and I never saw those high rises that, uh, for instance, the one that just uh, ended up in with that disaster. There's been a lot of growth in that city. And there's, and also remember that you've got a lot of Han Chinese that have been moved into the city. Now, I heard, and I just, I haven't been able to evidence that the particular building, it was a, a more well-to-do building. I heard there were more Han Chinese living in it than there were Uyghur. One issue could be that the Chinese are looking at this. The Han Chinese in Shanghai and Wuhan are looking at this and saying, it's, it's Han people that have been burned to death. That's one possibility. They're realizing that it's their own people. Now, let's hope that the people in Shanghai and Wuhan did not just think of them their own nationality, that they were thinking about Chinese of all types, of all nation, of all minorities included as Chinese. Then the problem, I think, arises uh, that uh, everybody knows what happens when a building is under lockdown. You can't get out. Also, people know that when they say 10 people died, you don't trust that number. There could have been a lot more that died. I've heard one, again, not going to, to swear on it, but I heard one account in which you could hear somebody screaming. And now, you know, to what degree that people heard this or they've seen it at least briefly before it was scrubbed from uh, the Chinese internet, from WeChat and all the rest. But I, I really do think, I'm hoping they would regard anybody who was living in that building that died in that building could have been them. The zero COVID rules, they might have been promoted by Xi Jinping, but it's the localities that enforce it. And you've got some crazy things going on. If you've ever taken, if you've taken a look at the dormitory buildings in uh, Zhengzhou, where um, factory, that three, over nearly 300,000 people living in it that were that putting together Apple uh, phones, the iPads, or the Foxconn uh, uh, dormitories, they were cleared out because of COVID. And you just see all of their uh, materials, all of their beddings, everything else have been thrown out of the building. Now, is that the rule? It, well, I'm not sure. What I am sure of is that localities, the local officials, are always afraid of what the leaders above them will say. So they always have to go to extremes. So soldering or iron bars across the emergency exits of buildings, preventing people from moving. This has just gone across the board from Wuhan, Shanghai, to even to medium and smaller cities, whenever there is a potential case of COVID that's discovered. So everybody knows it could have been them. Talking about triggers for the protests, I saw the hypothesis that also the World Cup in Qatar contributes to them, as Chinese people saw fans in the stadiums without masks. What do you think about this theory? It seems that Chinese state television has censored World Cup games to remove shots of maskless crowds. Well, I was just looking at those pictures. The Chinese attempted, the Chinese, uh, when, especially when it was going over the internet, was being streamed. The Chinese have always monitored any broadcast coming from abroad because they're afraid 
that there could be some, you know, free Tibet or a free the Dalai Lama or any some type of criticism of the Communist Party. So they always blank out. All, well, I shouldn't say always, but they oftentimes will blank out the crowds. So you won't see any potential uh, demonstrations. Well, from what I gather, there weren't any such uh, banners or so forth. But there was the fact that nobody in Qatar was actually wearing their masks. The pictures were coming back, still pictures, and apparently also in, in some of the, the live streams, pictures of the, of the crowds not wearing anything and just having a great time. I was, you know, when I remember the first time that China had a, an opportunity to participate in the World Cup, and it was just bedlam. I mean, everybody wanted to watch the game. Football is very, very popular in China. And then to see all these people having a great time and not wearing masks, if they haven't seen the picture, then they've heard about it. And they're sitting there going, now, wait, what's going on here? We're being told that we have to wear our masks. And they're being told that everybody outside of China is dying because of they not following the zero COVID policy. Well, now they're finding out that people are not dying and they're not dead in the streets. In fact, they're having a great old time that things have, quote unquote, gone back to normal, whether if you want to call it that. But it's partly gone back to normal because of people have been getting jabs and that the when they get the flu, then it's not quite as bad. So that's why you see so many people out without masks in Qatar and in other places. And after being told uh, day after day, having to suffer through you know, their, their, their area or their building being blockaded and living under quarantine where you don't even know if you have enough water in, the house, in, in your apartment building or you even have enough food, then they're looking at this and saying, now, wait, something's wrong here. That's in part why I think it incited the, and I would say, at least from the pictures I've seen, a lot of younger people, students, to get up there and, and and start questioning the legitimacy of the Communist Party and, and Xi Jinping. You might not agree with me, but in fact, I think you will. But I would say that the current protests do not constitute a grave danger for the regime and Xi Jinping, and they will be suppressed. But still, how big is this challenge for Xi? It is happening right after he was basically for life confirmed as the leader of the country. It doesn't look good. Well, you're right. I completely agree with you. You know, as soon as this broke out, I was going, okay, so when is it going to be squashed? And it was squashed within two or three days. So what you're hearing now is that the the outbreaks of demonstrations over the weekend lessened on Monday and Tuesday, in part because of the police moved in. It You know, it's a set routine that you have the police moving in. You don't have the government. You don't have Xi Jinping making any formal announcements because that a problem? What problem? Deaths in China? What deaths in China? So you just don't admit that there's an issue. But within the party itself, they've obviously realized that this is a powder keg and that they need to deal with it. You know, one of the things that Chinese people know, and maybe a lot of Western, a lot of non-Chinese, I keep wanting to say Westerners, non-Chinese people know, is that the students have been the catalyst for the vast majority of changes within contemporary China. Uh, starting in 1919, uh, that promoted a more colloquial Chinese being spoken and written so that more people could read. And that led to the, um, uh, eventually, to the founding of the Communist Party. 
And that all these, uh, you know, these communists, the original communist leaders, they were all students that went to study out in the West or Japan or elsewhere. So students are seen as a, a bellwether of where the society is going. So what do you do? Well, the students, how do you, how do you keep them quiet? Well, you you uh, tell them uh, it, Lunar New Year is coming up. So guess what? You get to go home real soon and we're going to give you free transportation to the to the train or to the buses or where, wherever you're going back secondly you start letting it be known that uh, the pictures are out there and that uh, the uh, artificial intelligence the, the ways to be able to control people in china while not as um, draconian or orwellian as we think they might be they still are effective and apparently they're starting to knock on doors and warn people that yes we knew you were out there don't do it again. Or they're just saying, uh, we're watching you, which is what Big Brother does, which is what the authoritarian state does. They they threaten. So when you have a state that has such authoritarian tools of control, you use them. And that's what, you know, what people uh, also should realize is that uh, Xi Jinping came into power in 2012, 2013, essentially because People felt that Hu Jintao, the former leader, was a, a little bit too lax and that people were beginning to lose faith in the party. And Xi Jinping brings back the idea of, uh, of the love of China, essentially trying to, to revive the memories of Mao and, and the original spirit of the revolution. Xi Jinping thus uh, imposed these controls. And so I'm not really worried uh, at this point that things are going to evolve into a bottom-up revolution, I should say. But that doesn't mean that the party does not realize that the problem occurs, uh, that the problem is there. There are demonstrations that take place in China all the time. We just don't pay attention to it, in part because we don't know about them. They're prevented from seeing because everybody's a happy society. Everybody loves China and and everybody is, you know, waving the flag. Well, no, they're upset with the way the local officials have been stealing their land or or uh, the, the taxes that have been imposed or all these various problems. And people get up and demonstrate. And when and everything stops, everybody's watching because this is rural. This is uh, it's something that doesn't happen a lot, but it's like this venting of feelings that you keep them controlled. And then all of a sudden they kind of erupt. And so this is uh, allowing this to occur. First off, is a way of venting that pressure, like in a pressure cooker, vent it, then control it and find out which officials in the local level either caused the trouble or wasn't brilliant enough to stop the trouble. Because obviously they don't want to have another issue going up. The most famous uh, demonstration in past uh, 10 years or so was in Wukong, just just uh, to was a little bit north of, of Hong Kong, in which it looked like there was this democratic revolution against the, the local leadership. Well, no, the Communist Party moved back in after a while. Nobody paid attention and you don't hear about it anymore. So, no, I don't think that uh, Xi Jinping is in dire trouble. I think, however, the Communist Party in the long term is because I think that that zero COVID has uh, been a catalyst, making the Chinese economy even more weak. You listen to foreign analysts, especially economists and business people, keeps on saying, oh, well, China will, will, will take off again. And I think they, they want it to. But I think there are some fundamental economic problems that Xi Jinping has yet to be able to tackle. 
Chris, maybe to wrap it up, is this the biggest problem Xi Jinping and the party are facing? I mean, they need to keep their economy running. The legitimacy of the party is very much based on the fact that the regime has been able to provide for the people. We can discuss for ages how much or how unequal, but I think it's fair to say that many people were really satisfied with the Chinese economic growth. But it's hard to imagine that Beijing can implement a zero-COVID policy and simultaneously expect good economic results. I think they're trying to find a uh, an off-ramp, but they've gotten to the point where the, the people uh, are now afraid, and perhaps they should be afraid, because they don't have the vaccines that they need to be able to go out in society without their mask on or to stop the uh, the spread of the virus. You know, I just heard that they've begun a new campaign of getting the older people vaccinated. And so there's going to be this whole propaganda promotion thing. And we'll see how successful they are, because I think there's a growing crisis of legitimacy, a belief in the party. And looking at the all these people without masks on in Qatar, all of a sudden makes people look at all the other things, including the fact that China's economy is not growing the way it did. And I think you're absolutely right. The, you know, I study the, the whole 1980s and 90s when the Chinese economy just boomed and people were like, okay, well, this is even after the Tiananmen crisis, the 6-4 crisis, people were, you know, the, the whole thing was to make money. Deng's idea of, you know, to make money is glorious. Well, now we're in a situation in which not only is Xi Jinping cutting back on your ability to make money and kind of going back to the state-owned enterprise version, Jack Ma's of the world are are being incarcerated. Well, not necessarily literally, but financially. Combine that with the impact of zero COVID. Combine that with this crazy system, this Ponzi system of real estate that's basically going to impoverish not only a whole generation of Chinese young people and their parents, but to bankrupt the the Chinese financial system. Well, semi-bankrupt. So I think that zero COVID is contributing to this overall threat that the China dream at this point is tarnished. And Xi Jinping, I think, is not sure how to deal with it. This was another episode of my podcast, The Global Agora. Subscribe, listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the other platforms. If you enjoy what I do, please support me on Coffee. For the link, see also a description of this episode. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.